The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, the point is this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that you may always have enough of everything, and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food, will supply and multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Peace be to you, the reader. put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law, how do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord at your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion and went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. When I read the gospel reading a few days ago for today, I was excited because this is the gospel passage and the parable that we read and use as the theme of all of our Family Wellness Regional Conferences. And we have had three so far, one in San Francisco, one in Irvine, California, and one in Seattle. And next uh, Friday and Saturday, I will be in Phoenix, Arizona, along with our whole family wellness team to uh, present our fourth and final family uh, wellness regional conference. And each time we do this, on Friday night, one of our team members, George Papa George, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist in the Bay Area, does this really beautiful uh, presentation to set the foundation for our uh, conference. And we have this very large uh, uh, icon of the Good Samaritan, but not, not a typical one that you normally see. <clears throat> But it's definitely definitely representative of the parable. And he gives this beautiful uh, talk and introduction. And if I remember, I'm going to try to record it in full and then put it on our Family Wellness Ministry website so that all of you could hear it. But when I was reading this uh, gospel uh, earlier this week, it made me think of that. And I wanted to extract just a couple of ideas from uh, George's presentation when when I offer my words to you this morning. You know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer that, uh, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in essence, we're really praying that God's will be done in our life. I mean, this is what we're asking. And in so doing, we really want to know what God's will is for us. And I often have heard, and myself, I'm, I'm also guilty of saying, I just want to know what God's will is for me. And I also say things like, I just want to do His will. And for some reason, we can leave it at that. We say this, and maybe we even pray that God reveals His will to us, but we just sit with it, and we kind of wait for something to happen. And the reality is that we know a lot of what God's will is for us, and our concern ought to be really in fulfilling what we already know. You see, we're not saved simply by knowing what God's will is for us. We are saved by doing that which we already know. And so we can literally get stuck in wondering and waiting for God's will to be revealed to us in our life and allow thousands of opportunities to go by each and every day to actually fulfill God's will. 
And here's a case in point. The lawyer that we read about in today's gospel lesson who put Jesus to the test by asking him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And his question, of course, is a great question. And by all means, it's probably the most important question that any of us could ever ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And our Lord, in return, asked the lawyer a question, What is written in the law? And how do you interpret it? Because it's one thing to read something, and it's another thing to read it and to fully understand what it means. So the lawyer began... uh, Quoting the scripture and being knowledgeable of the scripture, he answered correctly when he said, It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your will, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he answered correctly. In other words, the lawyer knew what he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life. He knew exactly what the will of God was. In fact, we could say that he was asking a rhetorical question. So when we say, I just want to do God's will, or I just want to know what God's will is for me, we too are asking a rhetorical question. But then this lawyer showed Jesus that he didn't quite understand the depth of the law, which is why he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus then proceeds to share a story about a good Samaritan in order to illustrate exactly what it means to love one's neighbor as oneself. And our Lord talks about a man who was on this journey, and he fell among thieves. He was beaten, he was robbed, and he was terribly wounded. It was a brutal attack, because he was half dead. And our Lord mentions two other men who were on a journey, along the same road, but were walking on the opposite side of the road. And when they saw the man who was beaten and wounded and half dead, they chose to turn their face away from him and continue on their way. And then our Lord lifts up the example of a person who was also walking on the opposite side of the road, but who, when he saw the wounded man, he chose to do what was written in the law. He didn't say, I wonder what God's will is for me at this moment. He chose to do what he knew was the law and the will of God. And the progression of what took place with the Good Samaritan is as follows. First, we read that he was moved to compassion. When he caught a glimpse of the man who was terribly beaten and dying on the side of the road, he wasn't indifferent. He didn't question his, his role at that time. The sight of that man pierced his heart and he was deeply moved. He was moved to compassion. Second, he went to him. His compassion was converted into an action. He went to the other side of the road, knowing that there was nothing that he could do if he remained on the side that he was on. The side of the road on which he was traveling, it was clear. People were flowing. He had sight of his own destination, fulfilling all of his duties or whatever he was doing that day. But all that came to a halt, and he chose to put the law or the will of God into action. He left his side of the road in order to go to the other side of the road where there was a person in need. He went to where there was suffering and pain and discomfort. He denied himself the pleasure of his day in order to enter into the suffering of another person. 
And once he got to the other side of the road, he allowed the compassion that he had in his heart for the wounded man to continue to be converted into action. Putting his own needs aside, he bound up the man's wound, he poured wine and oil on them in order to disinfect, cleanse, and begin the healing process. And this obviously took some time. Not thinking of his own will, his own obligations that day, and the time it would take to accomplish them, he then went even further, because love dictates that, And he put the wounded man on his own animal, and he took him to a place, an inn, where the man would continue to receive treatment and help. And he offered even money, in terms of whatever the cost would be to continue his healing treatment. Each of the individuals in this story, the priest, the Levite, and the Good Samaritan, all knew what was written in the law. But only one of them decided to put the law into action. Only one of them was willing to leave his side of the road in order to go to the other side of the road. The ultimate measure of love, which links people together in Christ and that fulfills the greatest commandment given to us, is compassion. And compassion requires that we leave our side of the road and go to the other. St. Paisius of the Holy Mountain says that nowadays there is a greater or lesser degree of self-love in most people. The spirit of sacrifice, of self-emptying, does not exist. In other words, people aren't as willing to go to the other side of the road and to be with people. There is another spirit at work, he says, and that is, quote, let nothing bad happen to me, unquote. This is the opposite of compassion. This is staying on your own side of the road. This is the decision of the priest and the Levite. Let nothing bad happen to me. St. Paisio says, Christ is moved when we love our neighbor more than ourselves. And when we do, he fills us and our hearts with divine gladness. Christ is moved because in so doing we imitate him, for he emptied himself through his own divine condescension, taking on flesh in order to unite himself with us. He left the confines of his comfortable heaven in order to be on this earth and to unite his divine nature with our flesh and to suffer so that we could be united with him forever. This was and is the greatest act that mankind will ever know. Jesus came to us, we who were on the other side of the road, beaten and half dead, and he came to us. When we're moved to compassion, and when we follow the path of Christ and go to the other side, to the other person, we allow Christ to live in us and through us. And this is why we experience divine joy. You can't experience divine joy cheaply. It requires sacrifice. Those on the other side of the road can be our neighbor, but they will also at times be our spouse. It will be our children. It could be our parents. It could be a sibling. So we pray in the first prayer of the Divine Liturgy because it can also be us who are wounded and beaten and half dead. We pray in the Divine Liturgy, and this is what we're asking Jesus to do. O Lord our God, whose power is unimaginable and glory is incomprehensible, whose mercy is immeasurable 
and love for mankind is ineffable. In your kindness, O Master, look down upon us in our woundedness, lying on the side of the road half dead, and grant us and those praying with us your rich mercies and compassion. We're asking this from Christ every single time we celebrate the Divine Liturgy, that He come to our side and grant us mercy and compassion. We can either remain on our side of the road or we can go to the other and be with others. This act of compassion will bring healing to them and will also usher in divine joy within us because our Lord will recognize himself in us through those actions. Going to the other side of the road, however, my dear people, is messy. It's difficult. It's not fun. It's not something we will naturally want to jump into and do. We will have second thoughts. We'll have reservations. We'll be reluctant. This is us saying, as long as nothing bad happens to me. This is the path of the priest and the Levite. But compassion is meant to move us outside of our comfort zone. Our Lord says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And in fulfilling the two greatest commandments, if we strive to fulfill the two greatest commandments, we will fulfill all of the commandments that our Lord has given us. We need not concern ourselves with what God's will is for us if only we strive to fulfill those two greatest commandments, which we already know. So why do we have to ask the rhetorical question over and over and over again? What is God's will for me? What does God want me to do? Remember, as we heard in today's epistle reading, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows abundantly will also reap abundantly. May we all sow compassion and mercy in great abundance while we have the time in this life so that we may reap such compassion and mercy that we so desire from our Lord in the life to come. Amen.